Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. And while you're here, go ahead and head over to our online platform, thelifeonline.cc, where you'll find content on all kinds of topics like forgiveness, healing, prophecy, faith, and so much more. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc and enjoy today's message. So the title of my message is very simple. It comes out from a story in the Bible in Luke chapter 15, which we'll read um, uh, later on during this service. Uh, But I I titled it A Robe, A Ring, and Sandals. A Robe, A Ring, and Sandals. Now, I want to ask the question, how many of you have ever bought something that's new? Raise your hand. It could be a new house, a new car, and all the ladies when you go to the shopping mall and buy clothes, new makeup. Like buying something new usually gives an adrenaline rush like nothing other, right? When you buy a new house, a car, clothes, makeup, whatever it is, or buy food that you enjoy, you usually get excited about it, and it's the best feeling ever. And when I think about best feelings ever, I usually think about what God has done in me and in our lives. That the the price that has been paid for us should give us the best adrenaline rush in the world. Can anybody say amen? Even better that what God has done for us is even better to eat lunch at Chick-fil-A. Remember, I love Chick-fil-A. Never forget that. And usually when we we buy something new, we get excited, we're happy, we celebrate, we do this or that, and we all get, we get hyped up when something new comes into our lives. But the, the best thing in the world that you could ever get excited about is what God has done in you and through you. His salvation in your life has nothing or nothing else can compare to what he has done in you and will keep doing in you can somebody say amen so this story about the prodigal son it illustrates us three different pieces of clothing that represents who we are and it's a robe a ring and some sandals and when we read this story, we find these three elements in, the, in, in this story. And it represents certain things in our lives. So I want to quickly read the story in Luke chapter 15. For anyone who maybe does not know this story, this is a wonderful story. It talks about all of us and where we are before we meet Jesus as our personal Savior. But before reading the story, I just want to to remind all of us that God wants to have a relationship with all of us. From the pastor, from Pastor Joel, to the worship team, to the ushers, to anyone in this room, God wants to have a relationship with you. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from, his desire above anything else is to have a relationship with every single person in this room. God is not only a God, of the God of the Sundays, he's the God of every day of the week. He's a God that desires to have communion with his children, even if it's a Monday, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. His desire above everything else in the universe is that you and I may have a personal relationship with him. And this story shows 
us the love our Father has for each one of us. And his desire is that we as children, we as people, may come into his presence to have a relationship with him. God's love is so big that there's no limit to it. His love is humongous. It's huge. He loves you more than what you love in this world. He loves you more than what you love um, your spouse, your children, your job, your college, anything, nothing can compare to the love God has for you. And in life, we, we make so many decisions, take so many decisions that maybe stray us away from God's love, pull us away from God's love. It can be different circumstances, um, lack maybe, sickness. It can be a, a lot of things that, that can get us away from God's love. But God's love is so big. That it doesn't matter how far you run, he'll run after you. His love will, will grab you by the throat, will grab you by, by, by who you are, and love you to the death. And, and, and when you read Luke chapter 15, the, the love the father had for his son was exactly this. It says that he kissed him, he hugged him at a distance. And let's read this story so we can um, remember what it says. It, verse 11, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide the wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When the family, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against you, both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. Somebody say love, and somebody say compassion. Come on, say it again. Love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you, both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening we must celebrate with a feast for his for this son of mine was dead and now is returned to life he was lost but now he is found let the party begin someone say let the party begin and 
this story shows what we were before we accepted Christ as our personal Savior. We were long dead in our trespasses, sinners. We were probably sick. We didn't have a family. We did not know who we were, where we were going. No destiny, no path. Nothing could amount in our lives because we had something that only could be filled with the love of Christ. And when Christ came to rescue us, to redeem us, to give us a new opportunity, probably your life and my life changed forever. The person you are right now isn't because you are something, you're intelligent, you're brilliant, you graduated from college. The person you are right now is because God saved you, gave you a second chance, gave you a new opportunity, and now you can live the life God has for you in this world. And the love of the Father is something huge, humongous, that even though his son was the one that left, he ran towards his son. I know the son started walking towards his father, but it says his father that looked at at him from afar ran to him, embraced him, and kissed him. And I have a couple of phrases up on the screen, maybe if you have them. That to help you remember in your heart where I want to go with this message, message this morning. And the first um, phrase I have is, it doesn't matter how far you run, God will always run after you. It doesn't matter if you're this or that or your family says you're this or that or you've been doing this or that. Remember that it doesn't matter how far you're off, how far you have run away, God will run after you. Hmm. Ah, Danny, but you don't understand. I've been doing this. I'm addicted to this. I I can't let go of this. My family is this. My job's this. My health is this. No, no, no. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have or what's been going on in your life. My God, the Bible says, is bigger than anything that is in our lives because for my God, nothing is impossible. Amen. His love will run after you, even if you're very far away. And this robe, our first element this morning, this robe simply represents your new creation. You are a new creation, your new self. So when the father clothes his son with this robe, it simply means that you have a new life. You've been invested, you've been uh, clothed in a new being that has never existed before. So I ask you once again, do you remember that first time or every, every time you go into the mall or a car dealership or whatever, when you buy something new, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. Like you, when you get into that car, it's like the best feeling ever. Or coming to your brand new house or whatever it is. When you are in Christ, 
You understand what you were created for. The past you, what, what hinders you to keep running the race God has for you, no longer hinges on you because you have been made new in Christ. You are a new creation. You are a new person. The old you has passed. Everything is made new. So do not let the devil and his lies tell you that you can't go forward with God's destiny when and God has called you already to be something in this life. So the robe represents who you are. He grabbed everything you were and clothed it with something new. That means that your old you does not longer exist, does not exist anymore. Every time I see you, I don't see Danny. I see a new person. I see you in Christ, redeemed, washed by the blood, forgiven, been redeemed. Everything that God has done for you, now I can see it because you are clothed in whom? In Christ. So the next time, maybe you're father, your parents, or your co-workers, or your boss tells you something you're not, remind yourself what God thinks of you. Maybe your father told you you would never amount to anything, that you will never be able to graduate from college. Remember that you are a son and a daughter of God. You will amount to a lot in this life. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am what God says I am. I have what God says I can have. And I can do what God says I can do. Woo! So it's a new you, a brand new you. You're a luxurious car. You're a Bentley. Woo! And you can walk in who you are because what you are is not what you did. It's what Christ did through that cross that gave you a new reason to live in this world. So next time you leave your house, leave with that new robe on. Ah, Danny, but you don't understand. My parents have told me this my whole life. My boss tells me this every day. My spouse tells me this every day. And like we seem to think that we are defined by what, by what people think or say of us. But you're not that. You are what God says who you are. Who you are is what Christ thinks of you. So the robe represents who you are. You are in Christ. Invested in Christ. It means that you cannot find the old you because now you are hidden in Christ. Woo. So I used to be a drug addict. I used to be addicted to alcohol. I used to be um, bad to my wife. I used to um, say bad words. I'm thinking in Spanish. Uh, saying bad words. Um, uh, a bunch of stuff. But what you did had no longer has a grip on you, had, does no longer exemplify who you are in life. You are much different, and you are a child, a daughter of God, so act that way. So the best employee 
your boss should have should be you. The best spouse you could ever be should be you. That's why I like for you to kiss every once in a while because it keeps the fire burning. We'll have revival tonight at some houses. Amen. But you have to put your new self, understand who you are. You cannot live your life thinking that your past has more control over you than what Christ did for you on that cross. Your past has been done with. It no longer exists. The word of God says it's in the deepest part of the ocean. God doesn't even remember what you did. So why do you keep remembering who you were if you are a new person in Christ? Put on your new self. Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So who lives? No longer you who lives, but who lives? Christ in me. Somebody say, Christ in me. Come on, now say it with faith. Christ in me. That's who you are. So everything that Jesus represents, it's like you and I did it. Think of that. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. But every time our Father God sees us, it's like we were the ones that were crucified and went through all of that. He sees you like you are redeemed, healed, blessed, washed, sanctified, made holy. Now you have peace, joy, patience, kindness. Everything that Christ won for us on that cross, it's like you and I did it. That's what the Bible says. It's no longer us who live, but who? Christ in us. So it's like God every morning puts on his 3D glasses. Boom. And they're red. For some reason, they're red because when he puts on those 3D glasses, he sees everything red because he sees everything through the blood of Jesus. So when he sees Danny, he doesn't see my shortcomings or the things I did. He sees me through the blood. So Monday morning, when you leave your house, remember who you are. I am a new creation. I am a new person. My past doesn't identify me, but my life in Christ is who I am. Sin can no longer control your life. He clothed you with the robe of grace. You have been redeemed. You are washed. You have been bought by the blood of Jesus. Who believes that this morning? You've been bought by a price. So put on your robe. Walk in that robe. Walk like you've been washed. Walk like you are a new person, a new creation, because that's the price Jesus paid for us on that cross. Charles Spurgeon said this, and I like what he said. Morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus to keep you out of hell. 
Maybe you seem you're a good person. Maybe you don't do anything wrong. Maybe you're a good employee. Maybe you're an awesome spouse. But nothing that what you can do can keep you out of hell. The only thing that may keep you out of hell is the blood of the precious blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. His precious blood. His anointed blood can keep you out of hell. So if that's true of us making, making us morally correct, the same would apply if we're not that great. If we commit sin, if we have been in jail, or if we have been bad to our spouse. If that applies, if we're good, it also applies if we have been bad. If we have committed sin against our Father and we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we've all been there, but the blood is more powerful, the cross is greater, the love of God is bigger, and He will quitar, eh, He will wash away all of our sins in our life, even though if they're big, small, medium, whatever, He paid the price so you can clothe yourself with. With that new robe. Can somebody say amen? amen? The second thing, or the second element we find in this story, is a ring. It is the smallest element of the three, but it's the most powerful of the three. What does this ring represent? It represents authority. Somebody say authority. So you've been clothed with God's new self. You are in Christ, and he is in you. But the second thing God gives you when you receive Christ in your heart is authority. Now you have authority to reign in life. And the devil and his demons and everything that happens in this world, he will try to destroy your life. Satan's number one mission on earth and mission in his life is to kill, destroy, and rob you of everything that God has intended for your life. And he will do anything to make that happen. So don't think you're not on Satan's wanted list. You probably are. And you should be on his wanted list. He should get up every morning and think, ah, there he goes again. Ah, he, 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 he woke up. Now I have to... Uh, do something to him because you have authority in Christ. And that authority has been given so that you could reign in life. It's not only that you understand who you are, the robe, but it's what you have. Because you can be clothed with a brand new Bentley, but if you don't use it properly, it will just be a normal car. That's why we have the ring. We use authority because we understand who we are in Christ and what he has paid for us on that cross. So Genesis chapter 1 verse 20, since the beginning of time, verse 28, excuse me, it says this, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, and reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. What did God t tell Adam and Eve? Reign in life. Somebody say, reign in life. That's what you were destined to do. So in Spanish, we, we say, Deja que el diablo te mangonee. 
And it means stop letting the devil, I don't even know the word in English, but do this to you. Like, ah. And the devil has us by the throat, many of us. It's like, you're going to die of that cancer you have. Or you're gonna, never going to get married. Or your spouse is never going to change. Or your children are never going to come to church. And he th- makes us think that we will never be someone that God has called us to be. And he has us like this, kicking our behind or whatever you want to call it, giving us a hard time and we forget we have a ring of authority that God has given us to reign in life. The devil's head should smell like your foot. If you have foot odor, you go and buy, I don't know, whatever you need. But because why? Because he's under your feet. But for some Christians, it seems that the devil is the one that has you under his feet. And many Christians don't reign in life because they don't know what they have. You have authority. You can reign in life. Maybe you don't have you you don't have a job or you haven't had a job for a couple of months because of COVID or whatever. Remember who you are. You are a blessed child of God. Your economy doesn't depend on what the world says or inflation is this or that or gas prices are this or that. Your economy comes from heaven because you are a citizen of heaven and your father is the owner of all the gold and silver that has ever existed on the planet. You are blessed. But live like it. You know you are blessed. And we say, yeah, I'm blessed. But start living like you're blessed. And I'm not saying get into debt. No, that's a whole other subject. Don't get into debt. That's not wise. But what I'm saying, use your authority. That's what faith is. Calling what is not like it were. I am blessed. My economy is blessed. I will not lack. I don't like opportunity. I don't like ability. And I never lack for money in Jesus' name. That's who you are. Or even with your health, I am healed. I am healed of the Lord. I've been washed by the blood, therefore I'm healed. By his stripes, I am healed. I will live and I will not die because I will declare God's goodness on this earth. This sickness is not for me to die, but for the the Son of God to be glorified uh, by this in my life. Use your authority. That ring belongs to you. And it's interesting that his father gave him this second element, like telling him, hey, hey, I know you did that, but, but now you can reign in life. You have authority. You can be what I have called you to be. Authority was given to reign in life. You were called to reign and have dominion in this world. Lack is not your business because your economy is based in heaven. Ooh. 
Your health does not depend if COVID is this or COVID is that or whatever it is. No, no, no. Your health depends on what the Word of God says. And my Word, my Bible says I am the healed of the Lord. He sent His Word and healed me. And by His stripes, I am healed. That's who I am. And I use my authority, my dominion to have what I need in my life. Amen. Use your authority to bring what you need in your life. Obviously, you need to be in the Word. You need to be a, a person of prayer. There, there's a whole bunch of things involved. But just remember what you have. You have authority. Stop letting the devil do, everybody do this. Stop letting him do that to you. And you do that to him. Punch him in the face every once in a while. No, devil, you're under my feet. You are defeated. You have no longer have dominion over, over my, my finances, my bank account, my health, my children, my family, my job, my car. No, I have authority because I've been bought with a price for a price to have authority in life. Woo. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19 and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So whatever you permit, that's what will happen. Whatever you declare, the authority that you use, that will come to pass. And number three, third element, are the sandals. The sandals simply represent those who preach the gospel. This one's an interesting one because the, the first two depend on the last one. You can know who you what you have. You can know who you are. But if you don't tell others what God has done for you, de nada te sirve. That's how you say it in Spanish. It, it, it doesn't work. It won't function in its full capacity if you stay only as a Christian that comes on Sundays. It won't work. You know what you have. You know what you can do. But if we don't tell others, it won't matter. You can be blessed. You can be healed. You can know all these things. But if we're not putting our sandals on to preach the gospel, it doesn't matter what you have or what you can do. Romans chapter 10 verse 15 says, And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, look, watch this. How beautiful are the what? The feet. How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good, good news. Your feet should carry who you are and what you have so that other people can have and know what they have and who they are in Christ. You are a living testimony of what other people can have and do if you just preach the gospel. That's why next Sunday is Invite Sunday perfect Sunday to, to bring someone to church. And notice this, I will probably never reach people that you can only reach. And you will only reach people that I will never be able to reach. That's why God has placed you there where you are in that job, in the, your house, 
your family, wherever you are, he's placed you there strategically so that you can preach the gospel. And I wrote here in my notes, the gospel can change anyone from anything. Uh, my boss, not any, my, my boss can never change. My spouse will never change. My children will never change. No, the gospel can change anyone from anything. They can be in their deepest hole in their life, and Jesus, Jesus' blood can alcanzar, can reach that person and bring them out from where they are. He did it with you. So he can, if he did it with you and me, he can do it with anyone. So what I'm telling you this morning is preach the gospel. Go out. Your boss maybe needs to hear that Jesus loves him. Maybe your spouse, your children, your classmates, your co-worker. I don't know. I do not know who. But we need to put our sandals on and go into this world and preach the gospel. John chapter 9. There's a story about a man who was born blind. And he came in contact with Jesus. And as soon as he came in contact with Jesus, his life was changed forever. What people saw in him no longer defined who he was. His being, his blindness was taken away. And he was no longer known as the man born blind. But he was now known as the guy that Jesus touched. And if we could bring um, that door out, please. This story is, is very interesting in many ways. But when we read the story, this guy gets healed. Jesus touches him. There's a great celebration. But then the Pharisees tell him, uh, I, we don't think this is true. Let's call his parents in. So they call this guy's parents in and they, t they ask them, hey, was your son born blind? And they were like, yeah. I mean, we had and we know he was blind. He couldn't see a thing. Like he's actually healed. And then the Pharisees were like, no, nah, we don't believe you. He's been faking it all of his life. La, 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 this or that. And the parents were like, no, like he is actually healed. He was blind, but now is healed. And then we finish this chapter, John chapter 9, with an interesting phrase. Verse 34, it says this. You were born a total sinner, the Pharisees were speaking. They answered, are you trying to teach us? And look what happened. And they threw him out of the synagogue. Somebody say, throw him out. Threw him out. So now I need five men. I think um, we, we have our men, or I don't know who our men are. If you could run up to the stage, please. Let's give them a round uh, of applause. Now, you guys can stand here. Now I need one younger man, or somebody that's not uh, a little smaller so they can carry him. Come on, somebody. Fast. It can be whoever, whenever. Run. Yes? It can, yes. Run, run. Run, 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 run. Yeah, we got him here. So you guys, well, I know, yeah, you're, you're quite big, but it doesn't matter.
I guess you can be blind and go to the gym. So you're going to be our blind man. So come here. So now act blind. Yes, good. And now you five are going to be our Pharisees. You're our Pharisees. Now, I need your Pharisee face. All right? One, two, three, go. Yes. Mm, I like that. Good. So now they say the Pharisees threw this guy out. He came in contact with Jesus. Jesus touched him and his life was changed forever. But the Pharisees, for some reason, thought that nothing happened. His life was the same. He wasn't changed. His blindness remained because he was faking it all of his life. So Jesus touches him. Now you're healed. Now you're not blind. And now the Pharisees come. Just be careful. And they throw him out of the synagogue. Throw him out. Be careful. And they, they throw him out. And they start pointing at him, criticizing him. No, he's not healed. No, he's that. He's still blind. He still has to ask for money. He's still poor. He's still this. He's still that. But when we read John chapter 10, the continuation of John chapter 9, in context, it's the same idea that Jesus is talking. And look what Jesus says, John chapter 10, verse 3. It says, the gatekeeper opens the gate. And we know that Jesus is the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Somebody say, them out. So in John chapter 9, verse 34, it says they throw him out. That phrase, throw him out in the Greek, it's the word ekbalo. Everybody say ekbalo. Come on, say it. You know Greek. Say ekbalo. And this word means to throw someone out, to kick someone out, to expulse someone. And when we read John chapter 10, verse 3, it says, God, Jesus, calls his sheep and they recognize his voice. And it says he leads them out. That phrase, them out, is the same word, ekbalo. Somebody say ekbalo. But in this verse, it doesn't mean kick out. It means bring in. Ooh. So notice what happens. The Pharisees threw him out. No, you're not. You're not going to amount to anything. You're never going to graduate. You're never going to have a brand new car. You're never going to uh, fix your marriage. You're never going to have children that serve in the church. You're never, 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 never. They kicked him out. But what was really happening, it's not the Pharisees were kicking him out. What was really happening is that Jesus was taking him in. Ooh. And the door was flung wide open. Even if you felt you were being kicked out, your family maybe kicked you out, your job maybe kicked you out, but the reason why you were being kicked out is that Jesus was giving you a new opportunity, was giving you a better life. Woo! So our blind man was brought in. 
They thought they threw him out, but Jesus said, no, no, no. I have something better for you. Step into your destiny. Step into your second chance. Step into your blessing. Step because now you've healed. You've been washed by the blood. You've been sanctified by the cross. You've been sanctified by Jesus. I have something better for you. The blood has paid the price. The blood has opened the way. The only thing I can do is thank the Lord for what he's done for me. So next time your family tells you, you won't amount to anything, remember? No, no, no. I have a destiny. I've crossed the door. I've given that step. I walk in my destiny. I walk in my healing. I walk in my blessing. My children and I, we will serve the Lord. My spouse will come to church. Addiction will not be part of my testimony. I will be free because I will walk in the destiny God has for me. So step in. He probably would have thought, man, they kicked me out. I'm never coming back to church. Now, no, that, that pastor, pastor doesn't say hi to me or that leader or that whatever. No, I, I'm going to be offended at the church. No. What was really happening, they were, were kicking him out because of who he was. He was just identifying himself with who he is in Christ. And when he came through that door, he didn't meet emptiness. He met Jesus. So can you go back? Now kick him out again. So before he met Jesus, can you go back? He was blind. He couldn't see. And there was probably emptiness in his life, voids that had to be filled with something. Maybe he had addictions, problems, debt, whatever it is. But as soon as his life was met with Jesus, His voidness, his blindness opened and he saw who he truly was created to be. So being blind on that side of the door, but as soon as he got kicked in, he saw who? Jesus. And he found himself living a life not because of who he is or what he has done. It's what Jesus died for him on that cross for him to do. No one was kicking you out. You were being brought into a greater purpose. Your dad did not abandon you. You were being brought into the arms of the best father possible. What you thought was your destiny, God had something greater and better for you. The life God has for you is the best life you can possibly live. And you guys can take a seat. Thank you. Let's give him another round of applause. So this door is what you need to do. You need to step from your past into your future. Step from that medical report and believe you are healed. Step and stop looking at your bank account and start seeing yourself as a blessed child. No longer worrying about your children if they're going to serve the Lord. You know that your family and you, you will serve the Lord. Step in. You are a new person. You have authority and preach the gospel. 
And I like what Jesus said. They know my voice. I, I'm waiting for them. What we thought was hindering us, it was just Jesus stretching out his hand and saying, no, no, I have something better for you. I have better opportunities. I have a destiny. I have a calling for you. You are not trash. The Pharisees thought he was trash. He was nothing. You're just a blind man that would always have to ask for money. You are not trash. You are called by God. You're a Bentley. You're a brand new person. If you could stand to your feet. How many of you learned something this morning? Amen. So I just want to encourage you. This door is available for anyone, anywhere, with anything. You just need to step in. Ekbalo. What you thought you were being kicked out of, kicked out of, Jesus was bringing you in, reeling you in. Ooh. It's like you, you've been caught in his fishing pole, and he's reeling you in. Slowly but steady. But sooner or later, later, you'll be serving Christ. You'll understand what you were called to do. You've been called much more than just to live. No, no. Living is fun and cool. But you've been called to do much more than that. You've been called by God. You have a calling. You have a purpose. You have a meaning. You weren't delivered from your mother's womb because of coincidence or because it just happened. No. God had you in mind before the foundations of the earth. He already had a thought of you before even you were conceived in your mother's womb. But what do you, what do you have to do? Step in. Step in. Cross that barrier. Cross that door. Jesus is that door. He will have a new opportunity. He will have abundance. He will have peace. He will have love. Anything you need is just beyond that door. So with every head bow, eyes closed, I just want to pray for you very quickly. Padre, te amos gracias. Thank you, Father, for who you are in us and through us. Thank you that we know that your word will bear much fruit in every heart, that we understand who we are, what we have, and we will preach the gospel about it. We will not stay silent. We are not only Sunday Christians, but we're Christians from Monday to Saturday too. We are Christians in our jobs, in our schools, in our colleges, in our universities. Everywhere we are, we are who you say we are. And Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity we have to come to hear your word. And we know that our hearts are good soil to receive that word. And I pray for every person in this room that might not know you as a personal Savior. Father, we ask you to touch their lives, to touch their hearts so that they can come and meet you, who you really are. We give you thanks for this house, for this church. We call them blessed. 
They're going as blessed. They're coming in as blessed. They're blessed in the field. They're blessed in the city. And everything that their, their hands touches is blessed in Jesus' mighty name. And the church says, amen, 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 amen.